Welcome to another episode of Salvation Solutions, where we believe that salvation is the solution to all aspects of life. I am Aviant. I am Aramis. And I am Pastor D. So we're going to start today with some testimonies. Brother Aramis, take it away. Yes. Uh, Papa D. Right. right, uh, right. You, you talk a lot about sonship recently and, and um, the importance of beholding and and how that how that transitions you or or transforms your your thinking into what it takes to to behold sonship right, right. um earlier this week uh it just so happened that i that, that you asked me to be here to unlock the door and and um i was here for a little bit i decided to work on some music and then um you came in, and then Brother Gene Copeland came in, and I'm sorry, I don't know the other guy's name. Um, I don't, I don't Jameer. Know. Okay, so anyway, so you guys all come in. Now, I'm, I'm working on music at this time, right? And then the brothers just, they just start talking, and, and, and then Gene Copeland goes, well, brother, I, I just, I, I just want to get into the word. I, I just want to start off, let's just get into the word. <laughs> right. and, and, and I'm like, How? You, right. Like it's, it's only two of me, you know what I mean? Like my my mindset about getting into the word is like you got one person that is teaching others, right? Right. I've never seen a scenario like that where you just kind of sit and have conversations right. that that are based on word and godly concepts and stuff like that, just in a casual way, just right. just basically shooting the breeze, but with word and right. <laughs> and, and so and so the, it was it was it was captivating for me. I had told D when they came and sat down, he was like, you know, you're going to be here for a while. I said, no, I'm getting ready to leave in a few. I ended up staying like an extra 30, 40 minutes or something right. like that. Right. I just I just wanted to be in it. I just wanted to like listen and, and see how it works. And it, it just it kind of clicked that that was me beholding the next level of intimacy with God. And I, before that, I had kind of reached a plateau where it's like you read the word and you have a level of understanding. But you don't really know what's past that. Mm. You know, it takes a revelation like, you know, mm. beholden to, to kind of get you to that next step. So it, next chance, next chance I had to talk to, to talk to you, I said, I, I want to yeah. be involved. Yeah. I want to be there. Wow. You know, and, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful <laughs> because, you know, when you, when you see a son catch it and see it, it's like, Oh, great. Uh, but basically we had been having Gene and, and, and Jameer and I have been having these meetings. We we're meeting at Denny's prior to the pandemic. We're meeting on every Mondays, mon Monday morning, like seven o'clock at and having and just fellowship and having breakfast and just something we just, you know, just happened. We didn't, you know, after, after we met, the, I think the first time we met, it was for some business reason. And then we started talking and man, he's like, man, it was so good. It's like, man, we need to do this on a weekly basis. So we started doing it. Then the pandemic hit, so we couldn't do it. And now that, you know, we're, we're are where we are, we're, they, they're using the studio to record. And, and then one day, uh, I think it was Jameer, he was like, man, I want to get back to having those meetings we once had, you know? And so um, I'm like, man, we could do it, you know? So they come at, so they decided to come an hour and a half early before their recording time. And it just so happened that that was the day we was reestablishing the day Aramis was up here. And as he said, it's just a, it's just a, it's a, it's a spirit led anointed conversation. Like ain't nobody preaching at nobody. We just sharing insight and revelation that God has given us, you know, pertaining to life. And it just so happened that because sonship is what's on my heart right now is what God is feeding me. Um, you know, that's what I was talking about. And it fed, it fed Brother Gene, it fed Jameer, and it was feeding Aramis. And, you know, one thing led to another. Now, Aramis didn't contribute at the time. He just, he just was receiving, you know. Mm -hmm. 
And so um, I was actually sitting there like, I thought he said he had to go. Then he got the earpiece out. Oh, I said, I said, oh, he listening. He listening. I said, oh, he listening. Because I looked over there at him. I'm like, what are you doing? I started tapping. Then I saw he had to, he had moved his headphones. I said, oh, he's taking it in. So then we just kept on going. And so yeah. uh, then obviously he called me. But yeah, we just, it, I love that, that. To me, that's the best and the most anointed, um, you know, ministry is when it's, when, it's, when it's flowing just out of a natural conversation, when there's a, a true communion taking place. I mean, we're really, we're really communing. We're, we're sharpening each other. Yeah. Like, you know, the scripture talks about iron sharpening iron, so does the man sharpen the contents of another. We're literally just coming there to sharpen each other and to, and to speak to each other and to speak into each other. I'm, I'm receiving from them just as much as they're receiving from me. You know, at times I may dominate the conversation, but it's still a conversation. Gene, at times, when you get to talking about, he got a revelation on the power of words and the ministry of your mouth and, and, and how mm -hmm. powerful you can. And when he gets to talking, I sit back and I, yeah, I start taking notes myself. Can go. You know, so, yeah. but, you know, it, it's, it's that kind of flow. And, it, and it's beautiful and it's powering um, for, for, to see that happen. And, and, you know, Aramis is confirming the whole sonship, the whole sonship idea. Sonship is about receiving, right? Isaac was the prototypical son. You know, he received everything in Isaac, like down, down to his wealth, his wealth and his woman, his insight, his revelation, his inherit everything he received from Abraham. And that's the position that we're supposed to, or that's the posture that we should take when it comes to, you know, how we receive and our inheritance that we receive from, from our Lord and, and salvation is I got to take a posture of receiving. There's, there's, a, there's a, a initial phase where I'm just, I'm just taking it all in. Uh, Paul talks about it in Ephesians. And the theme of Ephesians is sit, walk, stand. The first part of Ephesians is that we're seated together in him and we got to take a seat. The second part is walk, walk worthy of the vocation. And then lastly, he told us to stand. So until you sit and receive, you won't be able to walk. And until you walk, until you're able to walk, you won't be able to stand and uh, on the territory that you possess. Walking, walking um, refers to possessing and coming into possession of what God has given you. And then and then once once you possess it, there's going to be there's going to be some folks that that, that are unhappy about it and they're going to may take offense to it. But you still got to stand and hold your ground. So the theme of or the underlining theme of the book of Ephesians is, is sitting, receiving, resting, taking in so that you can walk and possess so that you can stand and fight against the enemy when he tries to steal from you. So that that's all a part of the process of entering into sonship. And that's what we have to do. The theme of what we want to talk about today is is sonship is the solution like salvation solutions we believe salvation is the solution to every issue in life well salvation's solution to the social injustice of today is sonship that's what it is we model that out after jesus's life and we see what jesus how jesus lived and what his ministry entailed and you can't help but see the the comprehensive nature by which Jesus aggressively went after dealing with the poor and bringing the poor out of their poverty. How he aggressively went after uh, dealing with the oppressed and bringing the oppressed out of their poverty and bringing the oppressed, specifically the economically oppressed, bringing them out of the, their, excuse me, their oppression and, and bringing them out of their poverty through rep, a reparative plan and then also a plan to make, manage and multiply. So he's, he, he's all about that. This is what the church should be declaring and decreeing. This is the fight the church should be upholding. But if we don't understand sonship, then we'll do what we've been doing. So I know that you have some, some scriptures that can 
you know, make it concrete for those who need scripture. So mm -hmm. what scriptures do you have to justify? Well, the the initial the initial foundational scripture that that, you know, brings out the power and the um, validity and the and the vigor of sonship. You'll find in Hebrews, the uh, first chapter uh, when it talks about God and sundry times. And in times past, let me get to it. I want to read it. God who has sundry times and in diverse manners back into the father's back in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. So this is bringing out God's idea of how he communicated to the people was through the prophets. It, there was a prophetic voice, which is still relevant today. But I believe the highest calling and who God speaks to um, initially or, or the, how should I say, the condition or the position by which you are able to function truly function in your prophetic anointing or your apostolic anointing or your pastoral anointing or your teacher's anointing. The highest um, uh, calling that we can we can place upon ourselves is that of a son or sonship. Right. Sonship is how God extends his kingdom. Sonship is how God speaks to the world today. It's through sonship. The, 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 the Bible says the creation is waiting for the manifestation of sons, not prophets, not evangelists, not pastors, not apostles, not teachers, but the manifestation of sons, the spirit of sonship. And again, I, I, I love the idea, the, the, the fact that the Bible brings out the spirit of sonship, because that's a genderless thing. Like the sisters, they, they can tap into that sonship. I was just reading over in, um, in Job, how at the end of Job's life, uh, uh, you know, very small portion of the scripture, but it's the most important part of the scripture. Job's latter end, matter of fact, matter of fact, James says, considers Job's latter end. He talks about how God restored him and repaired him. That was God's uh, a reparative plan, a reparation plan. We use that briefly in the book about the different aspects of when God repaired uh, an individual from being oppressed. Well, Job's reparation was double for all of the trouble that he went through. God gave him double. And what's relevant about that, even his daughters received an inheritance as the sons. So they were included in that spirit of sonship, right? The first aspect of the spirit of sonship is a cry. The second aspect is the inheritance. So the daughters being included in that inheritance brings them into that spirit of sonship. So the spirit of sonship we've been given as believers um, is important. And so when we talk about that and we recognize that and we see that sonship, sonship is God's ultimate, his ultimate desire. He says to as many as believed to them gave he power to become sons. That's over in John's gospel, the, 12, the first chapter, I think it's the 12th verse. 12th or the 14th verse. It says they be, to become sons. And there's two words in the Greek for sons. There's technon and there's huyos. Well, technon speaks to a natural born biological son that's an infant, you know, that's an, an adolescent, that's, that's, that's really, that's under tutors and governors. Well, the second word for that, for the word son is, is huyos, which speaks to the son that's going through the, what they call the adoption process. Over in uh, Romans, the eighth chapter, it talks about we've been given the spirit of adoption whereby we cry. Well, that spirit of adoption was actually under Roman culture. They adopted their own children. It really means the placement of sons. So after a son goes through a level of maturity, he gets to the place where now the father can trust him to extend the father's family business or the family kingdom. He now places him in a position by giving him. We go to the prodigal son now putting a robe on him. That was a kingly robe. Then he put a ring on his finger. They called that the signet ring. That means wherever that son went, if they, when he saw that ring, he showed that ring, that means he had the authority to transact business in his father's name. Well, that's what that's all about. It's about a son, a huyos is a mature son, able to go forth and extend his father's kingdom. 
build upon the war that his father has already began. So once we understand that there's two words for sons and that is that is all the motivation we need um, to grow up and to come into the position of authority. But ultimately, we look at Jesus as the ultimate son. He was the son that God gave us to to give us a blueprint. And we see from the very beginning, the spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus to preach the gospel to the poor. His focus has always been the poor and will always be the poor. It would always it will always be the poor via oppression and how he deals with that. And so we really feel like sonship is the solution um, to today's social injustice. And let me get to this, that particular scripture. Matter of fact, I'm going to just jump to it for the sake of time. Uh, it says um, for for unto the angels, unto for unto for unto which of the angels said he at any time thought of my son. This they have I begotten thee. And again, he says. I will be to him a, a father. He shall be to me a son. And then verse six says, and again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he said, let all the angels worship him. And the angels, he said, who maketh his angel spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Verse eight says, but unto the son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. So the throne speaks of the seat of authority, the seat by which you govern. Right. The scepter represents the rod of authority or the rule of authority. That means, in other words, if I'm sitting on my throne, there would be a, I would hold a, a, a stick or they call it a stick or rod. Moses's would be the rod. Right. Uh, there would be there would be a stick or a scepter. Um, I think in the book of Esther, remember when Esther approached the king unannounced and he extended the scepter to her. And, and the, if he didn't extend that scepter, she would have been killed on the spot. Right. So that that scepter represents the justice and order and judicial judgment. This is how I rule. Right. So he says, thy throne, thy throne, the establishment or the governmental seat or authority is that of righteousness. That word for righteousness is the word for justice or to administer justice within the confines of a social construct. Does righteousness always mean justice? Righteousness always means justice. Okay. Righteousness always speaks to the to the justice that's meet out to an individual, to a family or to a nation. It's always speaking of doing that which is just. We were able to be, um, the Bible says like this, um, Abraham believed and it was accounted unto him for righteousness or justice. So the just thing before God, if we believe it's only just for God to establish us as, to be, uh, as his righteousness or to impute, I should say, impute righteousness to, on, to our, to our uh, credit, right? Because we believe. See, that's why it's important for you to let folks know you did do something to believe, to, to get saved. You right. know, folks got this religious folk will tell you, you ain't did nothing yeah. to get saved anyway. That's a lie. I did do something to get saved. Like, don't discount my believing, mm -hmm. right? Because everybody won't do it and everybody hadn't do it. It's something about believing. Like, it's something about believing that attracts God, that, that, that makes God say, man, we got, we got to move on that. I remember right? you always said that a father just wants to be believed. Man, Every man, father that's just it. wants to be believed. Man, I just want my baby to take me at my word. Like, like it, 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 it's nothing like when you tell your children something, and they run off and they get so excited about it. And they start, they start telling all their friends about it. Daddy said, he's going to buy me a bike. Daddy said, Daddy, you going to buy me a bike? Yeah. And they go off and they start telling everybody. That, that's, that's, that's the child. Like, oh, it's nothing. That thing moves God's heart like nothing else. We got to understand that. We got to see that. You know, so when we talk about Jesus as the model son, his ministry was based upon a throne of righteousness. And it says, thy scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Right. And so the kingdom of God is about establishing justice specifically on behalf of the oppressed. I have two thoughts. Yeah. So 
the first one is, excuse me, um, can you just talk about the translation that you got the definition from? Because I, I know a few people that when they read the Bible, they don't go into, um, you know, like the Strong's Concordance and all that kind of stuff. So if you're just reading righteousness and they hear you say, well, righteousness always means this. Mm-hmm. And then they go and look in a Webster's Dictionary and they look up, you know what I'm saying? Right. So I, can you just talk a little bit about the way that you study um, the, the, the Bible and, and, and get the definitions of the words? Because I think that's really important for people right. to really gain that understanding that, that, you know, that we all know and, and have, you know, through, through studying with you. Right. Well, First of all, I mean, you can't put your trust in Webster now. I don't know where Webster getting his dictionary from, <laughs> getting his definition from, right? But no, Webster's like NIV to him. Yeah, you got, you got. Like, now I use Webster every now and then, but okay. you know, he. But no, you have to, you have to be. I think we're all called to be students of the Bible to, to some degree. Like because of what I'm called to do, my degree of being a student of the Bible may be higher than someone else's. But you know, because we're all called to study the Bible, so uh, part of studying the Bible is understanding the Bible in its original language. And we talk about in the book, we actually talk about learning the language of God. So you got a lot of people that want to speak for God. A lot of people that want to think like God, a lot of people that want to teach, but they don't understand the language, a whole different language, the Hebrew language and the Greek language and the Aramaic language, which is the language that, you know, we get our Bible from, you know, words that had certain meanings back then don't mean the same thing today. So that's why you have to be able to go back and use have a concordance that goes back and gives you the the definition and the I and the um, the uh, idea of the word that's being communicated at that time. And so when you study out the word righteousness in, in that particular word in the Greek, in the Aramaic, it had to do with justice and the in the administration of justice. Um, and so that's where we would get the definition of that particular word from It's understanding that. That language in that day, whenever they whenever they thought righteousness, they thought justice for the poor. That's what they thought. They thought going and looking out for those who were being oppressed. That that was the fight. And I really believe that when we think about when we look at Jesus as the ultimate son, I mean, his 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 ministry epitomized that his ministry, you know, uh, was led, was was executed in that fashion. He was always looking at those who were being oppressed and those who were being marginalized, those who were being excluded. And he hung out with them people. Right. Whether they were right or wrong, yeah. whether they were morally right or wrong, that was secondary. Like you get some folks who, you know, when you talk to them about reparations, they, you know, they start asking questions about well, what they're going to do when they get it. That's irrelevant. Right. That's irrelevant. Money's just going to give them more power to do what they're doing now. So what? That ain't the, that ain't the issue right now. The issue is the, the debt. Right. What's old? The issue is the will of God. Right. We'll, you know, we can deal with that later. Right now, you need to get to the, we need to establish the fact that this is the will of God and you and you're embracing it. So, you know, yeah, that that would be the the answer to that issue is, man, you have to you have to have a mind just like you went to Webster. Go get you a strong concordance. Yeah. Go get you a Bible dictionary and want to learn the, the culture and the and, and the ling- and the language of God so that you can be accurate when you when you read and when you're sharing people, you know, what the word of God is saying. That's good. So just one last thought. And I know we're, we're close to time, but. Uh, well, for this segment, um, when when you talked about um, when you talked about believing, right? That that's that's a key element that's needed for to 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 receive salvation, right? right. Um, in the conversation uh, that I was listening to with you and and, and Gene and, and um, Jameer. Jameer there was something that I took from that conversation that stuck with me through the whole week. 
and it was when when you were talking about your personal testimony mm. and and you talked about how the transition from from you know your your mentality being unsaved and saved you know it you just started cutting things off you just you you didn't want <laughs> nothing to do with it and 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 what Jameer said was was very like it just it just hit me like a ton of bricks he said he said there's a lot of people that that don't go into a relationship with God searching for the fullness of salvation right they go into it with a mindset of well what can you do for me or what can I get and I was talking to Caitlin about this this morning when we woke up I said it's, it's so easy for people to to hear you know well God loves you and 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 he can help you get that car you've been waiting you know the, all these things that right. go into the preaching right. of salvation right right and so people go into the, into the into that that relationship with God expecting just a few things. You know, and then it stops there. Right. And and so they they never get to the point where they can even conceive the I, the, the 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 concept of, of sonship. Right. Because that takes a mentality to to seek the fullness of God, the 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 wholeness of salvation. Right. Right. So I just I thought that that was I, I thought that that was so uh, uh, just uniquely just on point. Right. You know, for, for, for that to come across. Well, I can't let that slide. I can't let that slide. I got to talk to that. I know we're over time. <laughs> but the scripture is this. It says, it says this. No, no. Galatians, the fourth chapter, six verses. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Right. So the, the first aspect of a son is, is, is a cry for, for Abba. And we know, we know that um, that word Abba, is the most intimate expression that one can have toward God. This is when Jesus talked about, I manifested thy name. This is the name he came to manifest father. It wasn't Jehovah. It wasn't Jehovah Jireh. It wasn't Jehovah. They already knew those things. It wasn't El Elyon. It wasn't El Shaddai. It wasn't none of those names of the, that come out of the old Testament. It was, it was this, this was father. See, they, they had no revelation. Matter of fact, they wouldn't even let that word come off their lips. Right. They were so religious about it. But Jesus came to reveal father. Now, father embodies all of the names that they had already had a revelation of. But that but the, the name Abba took them to a whole different level of intimacy that they had no no knowledge about. They weren't even aware that that was even available. So so the first characteristic we'll see of a son is a cry. I'm talking about that word cry there. It means a shriek of hunger. It's a cry that that comes forth from one who's hungry, who's starving, who's about to die. Is imagine a baby that's hungry, is crying out for mama's milk. That's why the Bible says, as as a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word of God. That's the cry of a son. That's the cry of sonship. I want if I'm a son, if you're a son, your first cry shouldn't be for with the house, shouldn't be for the car. It should be for intimacy with God Almighty. I want I want to know this love. And that's what happened to me. Like, like part of my, what I was sharing with him was, listen, I was trying to stop doing what I was doing when I was out there playing football. <laughs> and I was trying to stop going to the clubs and hanging out to the strip clubs and the nightclubs and drinking and so I was trying to stop all that stuff. I'd be sitting up in the club talking about some, man, what, like, what you here for, D? Like, what you doing here? Get up and leave. Next night, I'm right back in the chair. I was trying to stop doing it, but I couldn't. It just was I was still un under the influence. I was still a slave, as about I was still a slave to sin. But it wasn't until I cried out, Lord, what must I do? And I'm cutting out a lot of my testimony. But Lord, what must I do to be the man you want me to be? And he told me what to do, and I did it. And boom, new birth kicked in. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about, I got, man, listen, folks, I'm getting saved. I got saved all the way. Got wrecked, listen, huh? man, I saw, I went, I went and cleaned out the liquor cabinet. I went and threw out all my 
world of music. I went, I went, I told the security because I, you know, I stayed in a secure gated area. I told the guy, listen, man, don't let nobody in here. Called all my guys, your band. Don't call me to, go, to do that no more. Listen, man, I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't with that no more. Call my weed guy, listen, man, listen, no, I'm done with that, man. I mean, you know, take my number out your phone, right? So all of that stuff was, man, I cut it all off. And I, and I dove into that word. I dove into that word. And, I, and I've been reading it ever since. So that, that, was the, that was the cry of a son. Yeah. That was the cry of a son. That's how we, that's how we encounter God. That's how we live, live the life God has called us to live. That's what it's all about. And, you know, once we believe that, once we see that, man, that'll bring a lot of liberty and a lot of deliverance. Like, like if, the, if the sons of God will rise up and manifest and, and, and declare the, the, the injustice that's taking place, in, in, in America, specifically toward black America, and we demanded reparations, man, we'll have it. Mm. Okay, so let's still stick on the topic of believing but bringing justice now. Okay, so we know that <laughs> we need people to believe that black America is afforded reparations. Mm -hmm. so, let's, so let's start talking about that now because when you talk about belief, people automatically think of faith because you have to believe in something that you don't see. You have to believe in things that God has, has told you. And we know that faith comes by hearing. Mm -hmm. So let's so let's put all that to, together with faith coming by hearing and reparations for Black America. Right. So, so I was in a conversation and um, with Richard this week, and we were talking about, you know, some of the some of the issues uh, after we had our uh, meeting on Clubhouse, and my, my whole reason for wanting to have the meeting on Clubhouse is because there's a lot of um, conversations taking place around reparations, but those those conversations are being led by organizations and groups that's doing great work. You know, American Descendants of Slaves is that one was of them. That a good group. ADOS, they're, they, they're, 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 they're in the forefront of it. You know, you got some other groups out there, uh, but there's not really a conversation being held by the church and by church leadership. Now, don't get me wrong, they're, they're out there, and I was a part of a group I think it was last night that, you know, that was talking about that, but it's not enough of the conversation. So I want to I was having I want to have our group and our rooms that that really give the church an opportunity to really see and hear and know what the word of God says about reparations. Right. Like we had a gentleman on there who didn't think the Bible had anything to say about reparations. Right. So. The point is, you know, we wanted to we want to do that. Well, after that conversation, Rich and I were talking. And he was talking about white, the white church. And we were talking about how they don't have a um, how they don't have a connection, how they don't have a connection. Kate, how they don't have a connection to. Black America, to the movement and the, and the reason why. And the analogy, the way the Lord spoke, spoke to him was. Um, his son just went through, uh, Andre just went through cancer. We just overcame cancer, right? But until that time, Rich said that he was aware of, you know, children having cancer. He'd see commercials and he'd see people fighting for it, but it wouldn't really move him, you know, in that way. He'd say a prayer, and, but, you know, but he wasn't really engaged in the fight against cancer in, in, in children. But he said since Andre came down with it and has since overcome it, now he's 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 in the fight, right? Because he has he has something that's connected him to it. Well, he was saying he, he saw that that's one of the, one of the problems with white America. They don't have any black friends. If they if they didn't go in black neighborhoods and they they don't really care. They 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 know it's an issue. They know it's a problem. But listen, hey, I'm going on. I'm 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 say a little prayer for him. Keep on moving. Well, well, he said he said part of the problem for them not being willing to fight is because 
they're not connected. I said, I understand that, Rich. I get that. But when it comes to the white believer, it should be different. Right. Even though they don't have to have a connection to the black community, they don't even have to have any black friends. All they got to do is have a relationship with the Lord. All they got to do is have a revelation on sonship. Right. But if they don't, if they haven't heard sonship, if they haven't beheld Jesus as the ultimate son whose primary voice and fight was about social and was was against social injustice, then they won't have the faith for it. And that's when he said he said, well, how does faith come? Faith coming by hearing one of the most important aspects of the church. Believing in the fight for reparations for black America is hearing that Jesus would do or would be leading the fight that he led in his day, the fight against injustice, and he'll be leading today. So we have to get this message and we have to discuss this message and we have to be talking about this message in as many places as possible because faith coming by hearing. The more we hear it, the more we hear it, the more we behold Jesus as the as the ultimate social injustice advocate, as a warrior for repairing the oppressed and repairing the injuries of those who've been excluded and, 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 and laughed at and talked about and ostracized and kicked out and abused. That's what Jesus fight was about. Well, if we don't talk about it, if we don't speak about it, if we don't write about it, if we don't teach about it, then white America and the white believer won't hear it. And then they'll be ultimately disconnected. But they don't have to have, you know, an intimate relationship. They just got to hear the, the, the gospel. Right now, the gospel that most white um, leaders and most white congregants hear is a, is a gospel that's, you know, rooted in conservatism. Right. And if you don't know, conservatism is about conserving what we've already established. But what was already established? A white supremacist type culture. Yeah. So when we talk about we're conservatives, you know, that's what we're saying. You know, I shouldn't say that. And again, I'm generalizing, not everybody. I'm generalizing that most white folks who talk about being conservative don't even know what they're saying. They don't even know what they're saying. Like I had some people call me over this last said, Well, I'm, I'm a conservative. Do you realize what you're saying when you say that? <laughs> white folk, white folk, you know, because they want to get the black perspective on, you know, stuff. Well, I've always been a conservative. OK, what are you conserving? Mm. What are you trying to conserve? Do you do you feel like I feel like some people also use the word tradition? Yeah. Or like traditional, like they, they keep certain traditions. And I don't know if they understand that either. Like what what traditions do you think you're really maintaining? It rhymes with religion. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But no, but they don't. But they don't know because they, they've allowed other people to think for them. So the gospel, the gospel. See, Jesus, Jesus, when he taught. He always when he when he when he taught the masses, he, he put stuff out there in a way that will cause them to think, right? Uh, when he taught his disciples, he would always use a question and answer format, again, to cause them to think, right? So, so most, most preachers preach in a way that they think for the congregants, right? They won't, they won't you know, I want to say stuff and say stuff that's going to say, oh, really? Like, make you think about what's being said, right? We're, we're all designed and called to be thinkers, Critical thinkers is that we got We got to think beyond the first level too many storytellers out there, right? Right. right. So right exactly. No, it ain't about telling a story It's about communicating truth. That's gonna cause you to think and reevaluate how you're living your life and so uh, When you when you when you have that when you have that happening people won't people won't think for themselves and What we ultimately want people to do is to stop and think and say wait a minute What 
What is sonship? Who demonstrated sonship? What does sonship look like? And, and, and go and re-examine Jesus' life and see that, man, this is really, this is really what we should be fighting for, you know? And so, you know, ultimately, we, we, we got we to gotta keep pounding it. We got to keep pounding it. We got to keep teaching it. We got to keep saying it. And people will people start believing it. You got anything? Yeah. I, I, just, it, I just keep thinking, you know, Jesus in, in, in that time period was every, every hero type that, that you see in the movies nowadays. Right. He was that guy. He just went town to town righting wrongs, man. Right. Like if something, if something was going on that, that just wasn't right, man, Jesus, he, 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 he didn't tolerate it. He didn't stand for it. And you can stand against him if you want to. <laughs> right. <laughs> but right. you're going to find out who he right. is real quick. Right. You know, and, and the, 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 the one, like this movie keeps coming around, the, the Book of Eli. Yes. Mm. Denzel yeah. Washington. Right. The man was blind the whole right. time. And nobody knew right. that, though, right. until the end. That's my point. <laughs> he was a bad dude if he right. got in his way. Right. You know, and, but but that's that's who Jesus was. Like, man, like, th there's there's no way around. But that's not he's being presented. He's not being presented right. like that. Right. Mm. You know, right. he's being presented as this this weak dude who, you know, right. just conceded to everything. And he was humble. It's and cool he was yeah. like. Yeah. yeah, like that's not man, man, Jesus was a warrior. Man. He was a warrior. <laughs> right. Think of your think of your warriors up today. Jesus would he was an ultimate warrior. Like he was a warrior. Like, man, he didn't play games. Like he like when he came when he came to when he went into the temple, man, he was ready to go to war. Listen, you turn you you turn my, my father's house into a, a, a den of thieves, right? He was ready to go to war. He, he didn't need he the, whip. the whip. With him. He brought the whip. He didn't need to whip <laughs> right. to throw out the animal. Listen, now he brought that whip because he's finna mess with people's money. Right? He's finna mess with people's money. Yeah. Man, I'm ready to go to war with you boys. Man, he was a warrior. He wasn't so a whip. So, what wimp. do you think people are doing? Because I think when people think of Jesus, they always think of Jesus is so loving that Turn he can't. The other cheek right. That he can't be a warrior. What are we missing when we think of love? We're missing that there's two sides to love. Oh. There's the compassionate, <laughs> tender. There's the affectionate, there's the warm, there's the comforting side of love. But then there's the let's get it on type of love. That's the warrior type of love. That's the, you, you cross me, then you got to deal with me. There's That's a right. David type of love. Right. There's a warrior that comes out. So there's, there's, the, there's, the, there's the, the loving, compassionate, merciful, gentle. But then on the other side of love, there's the warrior. There's the zeal. There's the fight. There's the tenacity to destroy to eliminate, to annihilate. So there's two sides to it, right? We want to emphasize the grace, the mercy, the gentleness, and that's that's well placed. But we can't, we can't, we can't. As Paul said, man, it's a, it's a terrible thing yeah. to fall into the hands <laughs> of the living God, right? James picks it up. He says, he says, listen, for all you folks that's oppressing people, then you got to deal with the Lord Sabor. That's the Lord of War, right? That's the God. So man, it's it's, it's we don't understand that. We haven't. That's that hasn't been presented. You know, there's a side to love. Well, God will cut you off. Now, that's interesting that you say that because when you when you just said that that scripture, that is a terrible hands to fall into the, into the uh, hands thing. of God. Yeah. People still don't think Jesus is God. And no, maybe man. that's where some people are kind of feeling as if Jesus is just all of the love of God. And then God is the wrath of God because of Old Testament. So. Right. Is that where people are getting it confused that they still think that God and Jesus are not one and the same? Uh, no doubt about it. Listen, listen, I, uh, 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 what's the preacher's name? His name is, um, oh, man, Mike Murdoch. Mike Murdoch had been in ministry probably 60 years now. It was uh, This is probably 10 years ago. 
he was in an interview and, you know, they were celebrating. I think it might have been his 50th year, 40th year in ministry or whatever. And they said, if there was one thing you could do, if there was one thing you could do over in ministry, what would it be? He said, and without hesitation, he said, I would never waste time trying to convince somebody who didn't want to learn. So I wouldn't wait, I, won't, I don't waste time with folk who think like that. Them folk. It's, it's, it, so you read your Bible and you don't think Jesus got? Oh, I don't waste time with them folk. Man. Go ahead on. Them folk. They just. They just. They, I, don't, I wouldn't waste time with them folk. I get. I get away from them people. Man. I don't. I don't argue with people. You know. I, don't, I wouldn't waste time. Them folk. They ain't trying to learn. They ain't trying. They ain't trying. They ain't trying to serve God. They just. They just trying to stir up strife. I don't waste time with them folk. You. So you. You read your Bible and you don't. You don't think Jesus got. You don't really. You don't. You don't believe the Bible. You ain't gonna believe me. Right. Man, go ahead on. Let me. I'm gonna find somebody that wanna learn something. <laughs> Right? I mean, go. God bless you. Do the best you can. But yeah, that is the problem because people, well, the first issue is we haven't presented Jesus the way he presented himself, you know, as a king, as a son, as a, as a freedom fighter, as a, liber, as a liberator. We haven't, we haven't revealed him as that comprehensively enough. We've revealed that in a sense of him for salvation and, you know, escaping hell and making it in heaven. But when it comes to life and the social construct of, of how to live life, we haven't presented him in that fashion. It's time we start presenting him as a liberator, as a social justice establisher. His throne, his governmental um, seat of authority is issued in justice, is established in justice. And we have to present him as that. The ultimate expression of God is sonship. Sonship's ex ultimate expression is establishing justice in the earth and in the land for a particular people in a particular uh, social construct. That is, that is sonship. When the manifestation of the sun, when suns begin to rise up and when the suns lead, I was, we were talking, I was talking to somebody and saying, I, I really believe this is the missing ingredient when it comes to the fight for reparation for black America, the church not standing up and not being that leading voice, as Brother Martin Luther King put it. The church has always been the taillight when we should be being the headlight. We should be leading the way. We should be fighting. We should be leading the fight. And when that happens, that's when you're going to see. Uh, we had one guy come on, um, come on the, the clubhouse on okay. stage who we, you could tell he's, he, he, had, he had an animosity against the church. He had an animal. He he had he had all with the church. He should, because we haven't done even even in the good that we've done, it hasn't been good enough, right? I've always said this that if you're not putting systems in place like Jesus did, if you're not putting systems in place like God did. If you're not putting systems in place like Holy Spirit desires, that's going that's going continuously propel people out of poverty. You ain't serious about getting people out of poverty. If you just come in there, giving them a hundred dollars here, giving them some food over here, do it, you ain't serious. Only you just want to talk you, about how much right. Jesus loves them. Yeah, you just trying to feel good about yourself, man. That's self righteousness. When you're serious, you're gonna put a you're gonna you're gonna put your money in and putting the systems in place that they can tap into and and live and come out of poverty. So then, talking about getting serious, let's talk about the call to action. So, right. what is the call to action for the Black Church and Black America? Well, the call to action is a great point. Um, we've we're hearing a lot of talk about what's wrong and what's been wrong and what's not, what's not happened. Well, well, uh, in, in the book, God gave us some specific things to mention to the black church and black America, to the white church and white America about what needs to be the call to action. And today I just want to emphasize and focus on the black church because I'm, I'm more connected to that. And I've been involved in some conversations that centered around that, that the first thing we have to do 
is, or the two things we have to do is believe and unite. Those are the two things that we, we the Lord gave me is to, is to believe and unite. And the challenge to us believing uh, is, is, you know, what we've experienced over the last 400 years. How can God allow us to go through this, right? Uh, we can say the same thing for the nation of Israel, you know. I think, I think what's more important than that is, is there's a plan, and God had a plan, and he still has a plan. And God loves us beyond what we can imagine. And there is a time, there's a time uh, within the process of becoming where we have, to, we have to, you have to go through things. You have to suffer through things, right? And, you know, definitely not saying that it was God's will for us to go through slavery. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, but there, there, was, there, was a, there was a degree of, of, of suffering that we, we've dealt with, that we've had to deal with and going and getting through that. I believe God was with us to get us through that, you know, but we have to believe. And the challenge to us believing that God loves us is just looking back over 400 years. But, but unequivocally and without a shadow of a doubt, God loves us immensely. He loves us beyond measure. He loves us more than what we can imagine. So we got to believe that. Secondly, we got to also believe that it's his will for, for us to receive reparations for the United States government and, and white America to grant reparations to black America. We got to believe that. Right. When you listen to some of these different uh, conversations and YouTube and different voices, you, you know, all, all of black America don't believe that. Right. And to be quite frank, we don't need all of black America to believe it. We just need enough to believe it. Right. A remnant. And so but we got to believe that we got to believe that. And we got we got to stand on that. We got to believe that God loves us. And we got to believe that God is for black America. The will of God now is for black America to be reparated. Secondly, we got to we got to unite and we got to unite uh, on in, in three aspects. We got to unite uh, when it comes to what we value. Right. We got to value black life. That's why we started the organization. We value black life. God values black life. We got that's got to be our priority. I know we fight for a whole lot of things. We fight for gay rights. We fight for women rights. We fight for, you know, you know, uh, 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 Foreigners' rights. We fight for all kind of rights. Listen, I get that, but we got there's a more weightier fight, and that's for Black America, right? Those things matter. I'm not saying they don't matter, but what's more important is Black America as a, as a whole. We got to value that first, and we got to be willing to fight for that first. What's difficult about that is you got some of our Black politicians who are baked into the political system that if they fight for Black um, Black America, then they're going to get ostracized from their political position. And that's what I was saying to somebody in a conversation. I was saying that, you know, one of our challenges as black Americans is that the, the people who are the voices nationally and politically won't even use the word reparations a lot of times, won't even say the word because they're afraid of what they might, the backlash they might get behind it, you know. So there has to be a, a people group outside of the political regime that's willing to stand up, who else should that be but the church? What is such the negative con connotation with the word reparations? Well, it brings up a lot of the ugly of America. And what white America wants to do is sweep that stuff under the rug. You, I mean, I've come across so many white folk that I've started talking to about this stuff since God gave us his revelation on the book. They don't even know half of the stuff that, that, that America has done to black folks. That, that happened for real? Like they don't teach this stuff in, in the history in school. They don't teach that. They don't teach how many folks was lynched and how they stole us and how they maldistributed all the wealth, how they stole from black. They don't teach none of that stuff. So they don't even understand and realize the ugly, horrific nature of white America. They really don't. And so when you when you talk about this stuff, it brings up all of the ugliness. See, see, and, and once they once they become aware of it, now you're responsible to do something about it. So they want to sweep that under the rug. They want to keep that quiet. But that's why voices, voices like ours is important. 
That's why it's important for people, this book that, and the work that God has given me and other books that's, being, that's coming out and other organizations that's starting to rise up so that people can hear it and be aware of it. And the more they hear it, the more they'll start believing it. And, and we have to unite in, in what we value. Then we have, to, we have to have one voice. We have to have one voice. That voice has to be demand for reparations. One voice. And then ultimately, we got to have one vote. That vote going to be, if you don't give us reparations, we're not voting for you. Period. Right? Psalm 133 talks about the anointing upon unity. It says, there God commands the blessing. The blessing, the anointing is the yoke removing, is the, is the, is the, uh, the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. It's the ability to break off every yoke. Right? The blessing is designed to make one rich and eliminate all the sorrow. There God commands his blessing when we unify. Right? When black America unifies, when the black church unifies with the white church that are for reparations, we're going to see the yoke of white supremacy. We're going to see the yoke of economic suppression. We're going to see the yoke of poverty broken off of black America and reparations being granted. Question. Is this something that if it, if it came down to it, is this something that we can do without the white church? Yes. Yeah. See, what's going to happen is God will give you space to repent. He'll give you, he'll give you time to, you know, to get with it. And then if you don't get with it, he's going to say, okay, he's going to set you aside. He's going to still make it happen, but you're going to have to answer to that. You're going to have to answer to that. Pharaoh will tell you about that. Yeah, Pharaoh will tell, <laughs> yeah, right. tell you about that. He's going he to give you an opportunity. He's going to give you an opportunity to, to do right. If you don't want to do right, okay, that's it. Now, see, I don't think I don't, I personally don't believe, in my research, let me say it like that, I'm not saying that it's not out there, but the most recent, like there hasn't been books written like uh, White Too Long by Robert P. Jones historically. Mm -hmm. Like that book White Too Long by Robert P. Jones is, is, man, that's a powerful, I'm talking about, I'm talking about a powerful revolutionary work. Mm -hmm. Like I think we're seeing, in our day, we're seeing more works and more books being, being brought to the forefront that deal with the white supremacist mindset in, that the church has had like we've never seen before. So judgment begins in the house of God. Whenever God begins to deal with an issue, he goes to his people first. I got to get them right before I go start by getting other folks right. I got to get my children right before I start getting my, those folks who I'm not connected to right. So I, I believe we're in the time where we're seeing that. We're seeing that. We're seeing a lot of works like like uh, the Coalition of Churches for Reparations. That's a new organization that's just come like like that's powerful. Like that's never happened before. So we're seeing things in our day that hasn't happened, you know, in the history of America and the black America in the church that I really believe is going to make the difference in in, you know, what happens when it comes to, you know, black America being granted reparations. That's, that's good. Any thoughts? Yeah. We're we're gonna end this for for our boo. <laughs> any any thoughts before we end it? None. You're full. I'm full. Okay. Great. Anything you have to say about the book? Yeah, uh, we, we're putting our first order in uh, for our promotional copies on Monday. So we we we're starting. We we finalized our marketing strategy uh, Friday, and we're going to be. It's gonna be out. It's gonna be out um, probably in 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 the or in stores for purchase uh amazon you know websites and stuff like that we're gonna let all that make all that stuff aware um, we're gonna make everybody aware of that um within the next two weeks you know so okay. I'm, I'm excited about it again it's a book that we feel like is necessary because faith cometh by hearing 
when the black church and the white church and black America and white America hear that it is the will of God and why it's the will of God. And we go through a scriptural, um, you know, a breakdown of why it's the will of God. Then you're going to see faith rise up and you're going to see people begin to voice and a unity that we haven't seen before. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for joining us. Make sure you like it on YouTube, comment, share. Until next time, continue to stay safe. Be blessed. Like